0: Hey everyone, it is Jamie Joe Wright with Madlet Musings, and I am so happy today to bring you Ryan Steck, who is an author from Tyndale Publishing. And you have been in the writing world for a long time, though, right? This is yeah. not your first foray, so.
1: No, Fields of Fire is my first book. Um, yeah. But I've I've done this a long time as a as an editor. I worked with a lot of people as a critic, running the Real books by. Um, I've got to do it all. I did everything first, then decided to become a writer.
0: (laughs) You know, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. I like that. And and, you know, you've been in the industry long enough to know what makes a good story, and it's time to write yours. So you can I hope so. That
1: was the fear. I mean, that was the fear, is like, and I will tell you, I think every author that I've ever like blurbed or reviewed over the last decade had a lot of fun when I was putting a book out because they would always like, you know, do that. They would always tell me like, oh, I'm sweating bullets. Just tell me if you liked it. And I honestly thought they were just being overly nice to me. Like no one really cared <laughs> if I liked it or not. Right. No, we care. <laughs> but then I send it out to them and I'm on pins and needles and every, I don't think there was a single author who blurred fields of fire that just did it straight up. Every single one of them had to mess with me in some way. Oh my so I get like an email and it was like, here's your blur buddy. And it was like, fields of fire is pretty okay don't buy just get from the library you know <laughs> and i'm like oh my gosh they didn't like it at all and then i'd get like a second email i was like ha 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 just kidding loved it great job here's the real blurb so that was a miserable experience for me oh, until i realized man. that everyone was gonna just joke with me and, yeah. and we better take it in stride
0: <laughs> well that whole thing when you have other writers read your stuff too is I don't know. There's there's I don't want to say it's friendly competition, but it's just like there are other writers like they know what they're doing and you're afraid they're going to see all your flaws. Oh, it's
1: it's literally terrifying. Yeah. Like
0: it, like I I've been a a
1: critic. That's been my living for a decade. It is so much easier being like the reviewer or the critic than the writer. Oh, like yeah. I I I knew it, always knew it. I didn't know just how much that was true like until it was me. You mm-hmm. are so vulnerable when you send these out. You are so vulnerable yeah. at that point. Yeah. Everything you've worked on. Yep. You know this. Everything that you've dreamed about is all there in a hundred thousand words, and you're just hoping that they like it, and yep. you don't know if they do, and how. Do- is it good? I, like that was the thing. Like when you're a book spy and a critic and an editor all this time, everyone's like, "Oh, well, Ryan will know. You know what a book's supposed to look like." And I'm like, I really wish they wouldn't say that because. Yeah. What if I know? Like I know. Right from other people, but man, when you're so close to your own stuff. So I've, I've just been really blessed and fortunate and so thankful that people seem, seem to have liked it. And I get to keep writing these.
0: Yeah, no, this is great. So you have book one, which is Fields of Fire and um, that just came out in paperback. It originally came out in hardcover and now it's available in paperback. And then you have book two. Is that, did that just come out or is that still coming out? So this comes out August 8th. August 8th lethal range okay and they're all part of the a matthew red thriller and they're set in montana which is big sky country which that alone just sold me right there i was i'm buying it i don't care what the book's about it could be about amish in in montana and i will read it yeah because it's montana and there are books about amish in montana i should just say that and then move on okay so (laughs) tell me about the book it is elite marine raider matthew red and it starts out i'm just gonna start out this is what grabbed me this is the first line in the book matthew red wasn't afraid to die but first he had some killing to do like yes i love it
1: yeah thank you um it's uh so the pitch is and you know you do these like a hundred times right and we do interviews the pitch and this is so funny because I say this now, and but every one of my children, my wife, our best friends who are in my series, by the way, they all know this too. So the same pitch, we'll be out and about, and someone will like stop stops, hey, what's your book about? And I'll start this pitch, and then they'll finish it, and everyone makes fun <laughs> of me. Um, and I did an event with my best friends, and I started saying it, and I looked, and they were laughing. And I said, you know, give them a microphone and let them finish it because they've heard it so many times. But, yeah, it's about a uh, former Marine Raider returns to his hometown of Montana for the first time in a decade to investigate the death of his adopted father Ah. only to unearth a global conspiracy that only he can stop. Wow. That was a really good pitch. I didn't write it. Uh, I definitely, yeah, I did not write it. Uh, I got that from my publisher on something and I was like, that's pretty good. I think I'm just going to use that. So,
0: yeah. 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 Okay. Say it one more time. Let's see if you can do it word for word.
1: I can because I've done it literally a million times. <laughs> yeah. A former Marine Raider returns to his hometown in Montana for the first time in over a decade to investigate the death of his adopted father, only to unearth a global conspiracy that only he can stop.
0: Oh, that was epic.
1: But, but here's the thing: when my friends do it, so my best friend Mikey um is a he's mentioned in Fields of Fire. He's a major character in Lethal Range and all the books moving forward they like there's like an ellipsis at the end there where it says a global conspiracy dot 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 that only he can stop yeah. the pause between that gets longer and longer whenever like they're roasting me out in public and like teasing me <laughs> they're like a global conspiracy that only he can stop and i'm like just don't say it like that just say it normal you know <laughs> it's and so, like a
0: movie trailer it does that's how yeah. they do it yeah, yeah. they do they yeah. do I'd like if you watch those old movie tra- old i'm aging myself uh, the old movie trailer from the 1990s, you know, yeah. it, it was all that voiceover lay, you know, like they have the scenes from the movies and they're like, you know, the princess bride and this deep voice talking. So that I don't good. feel
1: like the 90s is that long ago. I was born in the 80s. I'm a 90s kid. And I, I don't feel like that was that long ago. Well,
0: I know, but it's like my kids say this. They say I'm ancient. I know.
1: I'm mine too. I'm
0: like, that's not cool. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm old. I'm older than
1: you but um, you know. i i slipped coming out our back porch yesterday and my nine-year-old said what happened why did daddy fall and my five-year-old said i don't know because he's old i'm not even 40 yet like i mean they're just ruthless you know
0: my gosh they're gonna be shopping for nursing homes for you when you're in your forties. i know, if that's I, know it is. I know i oh, know man okay so let's talk a little bit about the book here because I have a feeling you and I can go off on all kinds of tangents. So we have Montana, we have an adopted, so he's adopted and his, his father's the one that he's kind of out to help if I'm hearing that.
1: Yeah. So the premise is uh, that Matthew Redd, a former Marine raider um, who was adopted by a cattle rancher in Montana named Jim Bob Thompson. Okay. Um, finds out that his dad died Mm. and doesn't really buy into the circumstances around it. Thinks Mm -hmm. there's enough going on that there's at least a question mark or two and goes back home to Montana to try to figure out what might have happened. Okay. And um, yeah, you know, that that was, that was an important thing, but we were, so we were talking before we hit record on this, but they, I have six kids and my first three are adopted. And I just thought that was something I wanted to explore. Yeah. And, and put into my books
0: yeah well and i love the fact too that with the adoption angle so often if it isn't a book it's exploring the characters you know oh they find out about their birth family or something like that and I, I really like that the thrust of this is him and his relationship as it was to his adopted father and then wanting to find out you know what's the story what happened and then everything wrapped around that because that really um reinforces that adoption relationship that so often does not get reinforced in fiction because they're looking back to the original blood family um i was adopted too so i mean that for me is huge because adoptive parents are just the bomb we try um no it's uh
1: for me one of the look one of the takeaways that was always weird to me is um when we do like events or something and and People will ask, you know, who's your favorite character in the book? I really listen to the responses. I just assume it's always going to be Matthew Red or maybe the love interest Emily. Or, But a lot of people have come back and said, oh, my favorite character is Jim Bob Thompson, this cattle rancher mm-hmm. who basically is dead from the beginning of the book. Right? Um, you don't really ever see him. And you never see him in the hero Matthew Redd. You never see him together. It's his mm. death that is the is the launching point that really kicks the book off and brings Red back to Montana. Okay. So that was like something that I couldn't let go of. Mm-hmm. And I just signed another book deal last December for two more books, uh, an extension, and a novella. And the novella is called Red Christmas. It will come out this holiday season. And it's a prequel novella. So oh, cool. it's 18-year-old Matthew Red at the ranch before he ships out to go join the Marines with Jim Bob Thompson and it was because I was like writing and I'm like, man, you know, these characters, like I never showed them on the, I never got to write them together. Yeah. Never. Yeah. And yet People, the takeaway was like, I love their relationship. And yet you never really saw it. You saw yeah. what it meant to Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried to put that in the book, mm-hmm. but you don't ever see them together. So yeah. So I'm, I'm like right now wrapping up uh, that novella red Christmas. And I was so excited to write it because I finally got to really put them together and explore yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really cool. It says a lot too for the investment of a father in their child, um, yeah. and that legacy that sticks with them so much longer after after they're gone.
1: Yeah my my dad um, is, I mean like my best friend. Uh, Fields of Fire is dedicated to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a long you know career where I always talked about wanting to one day be a novelist, mm-hmm. and along the way have just doubted it would ever happen. The one person that never did was, was my dad who would literally tell people like, I actually remember like feeling like, don't say that dad. Cause he'd tell people like, yeah, this is, you know, my son, Ryan, he works in publishing. He's a critic and editor, but he's going to be an author one day. And I would feel like dad, just stop saying that because it might never work out. You know?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: He would always tell me like, yes, it will. It's going to happen. And um, just never lost faith in it. And, and even now, as my workload has picked up, and now I got to start cranking out novels, uh, he saw how busy I was, and my kids are all—they're homeschooled, and everyone's here. And so my dad, at seventy-one, just just retired a few weeks ago, and he's here every day now.
0: Oh, and he's that's like awesome! Over my
1: shoulder as I'm writing, so he can be involved and know what's happening, and yeah. he's so invested in my. So it's like there's truly nothing like i think the father and and even with the father and son and i'm Mm -hmm. and i'm a i'm a girl's dad too because i have two daughters but (laughs) but like that father-son relationship and that was what i wanted to explore in these books in the novella certainly Mm -hmm. um which is going to cover uh red going into the marines and dealing with things there and how his father is is there for him during that those are things that i really did want to capture i think you're right i think you hit on that it's a really important you know thing and topic but
0: yeah, it is. And it's one of those things where it's like, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say it gets taken for granted, but I think when people have that relationship, they don't necessarily realize how, how rare it's becoming. Yeah. You know, like my, you know, every Sunday we got to my in-laws and my husband, it's like he and his dad, they're best friends. And You know, my husband doesn't really hang out with a lot of other guys because he's got his dad, you know, and it's just,
1: I'm the same way. It's
0: that relationship that just, you know, hell, I got to call dad because something's wrong with the truck or I got to call dad because same the, you know, the the roof's leaking and, you know, it's just so cool as a, you know, raised, I have a brother, but he was older than me. So he left home when I was quite young. And so I was kind of like that only child growing up. And it's just really neat to see that relationship between a father and a son where they're just, so tight and it's just that legacy that just carries on so
1: it's so important and i do think there's something identifiable about that and and real to that Mm -hmm. which is why i wanted to find a way to incorporate that into the books
0: yeah yeah i love that well that's awesome okay so we covered that but this book is not just like a a a family book it's it's you know i i kind of want to compare it to jack ryan but i don't know if that's fair is that a fair? It's, assessment? uh
1: well, I can tell you when I, when I told my agent, I was going to write it. Okay. <clears throat> I pitched it as Vince Flynn meets okay. CJ Box. Okay. And I remember he said to me, what's that look like? And I was like, I don't know. Give me like, you know, nine months and let's see if we can figure it out. Um, and you can, and so uh, CJ Box is my favorite living author. Vince Flynn is my all-time favorite author. He passed away. Um, But, but I love his Mitch rap. My youngest son's name is Mitch. Oh and okay. Mitch. Uh, Mitch Rapp is my favorite character ever created, uh, from the legendary, iconic New York Times bestselling author Vince Flynn. But my son's name is Mitchell Ryan, so I was determined we we're going to put a Mitch and a Ryan together. So, um, so yeah, so he's so important to me. But, um, but, but C.J. Box and his Joe Pickett series is about a Wyoming game warden, and inv- mm-hmm. it just involves the whole family and this mm-hmm. dynamic. And then you have Mitch Rapp, who's like the CIA. Um, counterterrorism expert, like yeah. known as the American assassin. And I thought, what do you, what, what, what happen if you merged? merged we don't two. ever see Jason Bourne in Montana. No. We don't see that. You don't no. see the Mitch raps. And so I did, I set out to, to try and figure out what that might look like. And then right on the top here, CJ box you know, he fields of fire. And that meant like, you want to talk about being nervous. He is my favorite living author. And we were waiting for a blurb from him. And oh, please tell me he didn't did sleep with at night. <laughs> no he, he, he's so sweet he didn't but he didn't even send it to me he sent it right to the publisher oh okay so i get like an email from like my team there and it's like hey ryan congrats this is a great blurb from from chuck because he goes by chuck okay and i'm like what do, what do you mean like what does it say like did he send one and they were like yeah you haven't seen it and i'm like no send it to me oh, you know no. <laughs> so geeked out over it it was so so amazing so that's awesome. I, I i like to think of it as you know uh, a Vince Flynn or something like that kind of with like a CJ box
0: yeah I like that that's that's a really good comparison I I, I think that, that way better than what I was coming up with let's just face it
1: no I think you were on I mean I, I, really you know, I was did. trying to go
0: but that's even better and yeah I mean I don't know action in Montana I just gosh and thriller and yeah I'm just kind of drooling over here I'm I'm a horrible interviewer today because I'm just like it's so good Loving everything I read. So, and I was telling you beforehand that I haven't finished it yet. So, no spoilers here for me. No, no, no. You know, I'm still working through it, but it's definitely fast-paced. Well, thank you. And and it's definitely full of action. So anybody who loves that type of thing is gonna really enjoy it. I want
1: you to love it. I'll tell you, like, Fields of Fire needed to come first because it's the series launching point. But but genuinely, Lethal Range, which is out in August, is the book I always wanted to write. Okay. And this is no joke. When I turned it in and you you go through, I mean, you know, you're waiting for any feedback from your publisher. Right. They came back and they were like, hey, just like an FYI, this book is like all action. Just want to make sure you knew that. And I was like, "Um, yeah, no, yeah. that was by design. I did that. You know, I knew Um, I yeah. really went for it with with that one. And so I sincerely hope if people like Fields of Fire that they'll love the second one. But yeah. that was my goal. I like action. I I want these books to be realistic, but an escape. Yeah. Yep. You wanna have fun. And Matthew Red is, you know, a former marine raider. He's he's kind of a bad dude. He's mm-hmm. six foot three and a half and two hundred and sixty pounds. I like to call him, you know, he's a sludgehammer in a scalpels world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like if you're gonna have a character that big, you might as well use it. So
0: well, yeah, I kind of got the feeling he was big when I was like getting to, what was the chat? I think it's chapter one, but you say like banging down a door like a Valkyrie or something. No, yeah, like a Viking, so, not a Valkyrie, a yeah. Viking berserker splintering the heavy wooden door. And I'm like, okay, dude's big.
1: <laughs> he's a big boy. Um, He's a big boy. So yes, I, in my mind, and people ask a lot. They're like, are you Matthew Red? And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> my wife probably wishes I look <laughs> like Matthew Red, frankly um to me i've always seen him as like a younger jason momoa okay yeah, aquaman yeah that's what i've always seen um and i i will say there's some things happening on the movie front there i was just
0: gonna say are we getting jason to play this part I,
1: i was like we gotta get the books to jason and um and I'm I'm with William Morris Endeavor, and and they've been they bless blessed them. They've really worked on that. But I mean, I don't know what'll happen in the future. But that's who I've always seen. And okay. I thought, you know, you don't cast Jason Momoa in a movie to not have him do action stuff. Right. You no. Know? No. So I no. wanted Red to be a big boy to do mm-hmm. some of these things. And I figure, like, if you're that big, you know. Yeah. Let, let's use it. And yeah. uh, he's he's used to being the most intimidating guy in the room. Uh, and then in book one, he runs into, uh, there's a bad guy who's got a, a henchman who's so big, he makes red look small. And I <laughs> thought that was a nice little, you know, a twist. And then I will say in, in book two, there's another big guy. And my publisher said to me, you know, you're going to have to stop this eventually. Like in book three, you can't have a guy who's like eight foot tall fighting red. And I'm yeah, like, no, no, trying- I, I got it. I'm go with that. But yeah, he, uh, I like to say that, like, people that watch boxing or mma they like heavyweights you like yeah. the guys that are big that can knock mm-hmm. each other out mm-hmm. and that's why red was you know he's so big
0: yeah well it kind of reminds me of a scene where we were we, my husband and i just we were going through the fast and furious you know every 500 movies that they've ever made of it and we got to nine and i was i was just laughing when dwayne johnson you know the rock walks into the room and there's this guy who's like what two feet taller than him and he just i'm like how big is that dude in real life because he just dwarfed dwayne johnson
1: it's so like, funny that you bring that up because when i decided red was going to be big was watching fast five <laughs> uh when vin diesel fights the rock yeah that fight scene they throw each other through walls right there's literally a scene that's like a uh, pays homage to that in book two where two that's big weird. guys that's more fun to watch i think yeah. sometimes you know yeah. Those That's big, fun. those big brawlers that, yeah. um, and I think there's like a part of me that like, again, when people say like, are you Matthew Red? I'm like, no, but he definitely probably says some things that I would say if I was six foot three and 265 pounds of muscle, you right, know, that right. would probably be a cool way to live.
0: Yeah. So. You can probably get away with saying a little bit more when you've got some, oh, some yeah. brute force yeah. behind you. To-
1: <laughs> I would think you probably could. Yeah.
0: Otherwise, you know, if you're me, you're just going to hide behind your little podcast mic and say what you want and then hope nobody finds out where you live. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So we've got book one, Fields of Fire. We've got book two, Lethal Range. And then you said there's going to be another two books coming out and a novella.
1: Yeah. So I've re-signed for for two more and a novella. And we haven't revealed the title of book three, but I Mm -hmm. will say for people who pick up Lethal Range in August, the... Last three words of the book, uh, oh. the title for book three.
0: All right, so that means when I get my copy, I'm just gonna like flip to the back page and just read the last few words.
1: I know I do feel like I'm just that horrible that way, much, and I think people might do that now just <laughs> to kind of see what it is. But, um, but I will say a lot of planning went into that for sure to make that work. Oh, yeah,
0: so. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they go, Yeah. I choose my fiction a little bit weird. I'm like, how do you choose your fiction? And they're like, I always go to the last page and read it. And if it sounds interesting, then I read the whole book. And I'm like, oh, wow. What is that? So just for the record, I've not read the last page in your book. I'm, I'm, well, I'm waiting to I, get there.
1: <laughs> I hope you like. So I will tell you a fun fact. I don't okay. know. And then you got to tell me how you do this as a writer. So. All right. I'm the world's biggest hypocrite at writing because I've been an editor for a long time and I give like really good advice and then I don't listen to any of it
0: Oh, for her. myself. yeah, right. At yeah. all. No, why would you?
1: So I write the, I always write the last chapter first. Really? Always. Yeah, I write the epilogue first because okay. I know where I want to leave readers. Yeah. I, I cannot write anything. So like as an editor, this is me to my clients. Write a big outline, you know, but I want to mm-hmm. see the story. Let's me as an author, like I don't do outlines. No. Um mm-mm. I remember with Lethal Range, I told my agent, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to turn in an outline. And he was like, you have like a pretty big payment tied to that. So you might want to turn one in. And I was like, Oh shoot, I guess I'm gonna go do an outline, but I don't do a traditional outline at all. I just kind of write down like, here's how I see the book in my head and I'm going to do my best to write that. But things change on the fly. Yeah. And so I try to stay close to it, but I can't write a single word until I have the story in my head. And Mm -hmm. I only write a couple hours a day because I will sit forever just thinking about it, that Mm -hmm. chapter that I got to write. And when I can see it in my head, I can go write it. I cannot sit down and write that if I can't see it in my head, like at all.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% the same way. And so the idea of writing an outline is absolutely terrifying because I'm like, how would I possibly envision the entire movie in my head from start to finish with every scene accounted for? And too. so, yeah,
1: I don't, I just no. kind of have general concepts, but I, I usually know where I want the story to end to set up the next one mm-hmm. because I think of Matthew Red's, this series is like one big story okay. to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like it's all one big arc, And so I kind of know where things are going and where his growth is and what's going to change in his life. So it's really about getting to the next one. um, Not, not as a, like, uh, I want you to skip over this book, but mm-hmm. as like, I kind of know at the end what needs to happen to, to set up the next one. Right. So I write the epilogue first because my my philosophy is then I go back and start at the beginning. And once I get there, I'm done. Right. I don't yeah. have to worry about it. Like, right. I just, I'm done. So with Fields of Fire, you you brought up the first chapter. Like, that was actually the last thing I wrote. Um, <laughs> i did the whole book and then was like you know i just think it needs something to start a little faster to show readers what the book kind of becomes
0: right and so i went
1: back and and i wrote the the prologue on that one but i like to write i like to write the epilogue first so i like i'm all upside down on this thing
0: yeah that's awesome yeah i don't usually write the ending of my books first i usually have a general idea of how it's going to end um but I have random scenes throughout the whole story that I, I call it. I'm a Skeletor writer is what I say. Sure. I'm not like a pantser or a plotter. They always come up with those terms. I'm like, no, I'm a Skeletor. I plan the skeleton. And then I watch the muscle in my head kind of grow. And I literally, I will think about my book for probably three or four months before I ever sit down and write it. And then once I sit oh, down to yes. write it, it just comes out. It's like, oh, it's just type in the movie out on paper.
1: See, that's fascinating to me. Now, like, do you... Can you write chapters out of order or do you write Mm it like chronologically?
0: I write it chronologically most of the time, unless I have a scene in my head that's extremely vivid and I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. Then I'll, then I'll go ahead and I'll write it down just so I've got it. Uh, But I typically write chronologically because with my books, the stories go back and forth and the mysteries are so intertwined from era to era that if I don't write them, in order i'm just gonna lose get lost of all the clues and and plot that, see, that's
1: what i wondered i was like god that yeah. feels like it'd be so hard if like today you woke up and were are like i don't want to write chapter four so i'll go write chapter 18 yeah. and yeah
0: couldn't do that i would be so con- i'm confused in my books anyway by the time i reach the 50 percent point like what's what's going on
1: but i've worked <laughs> with so many writers they have such detailed outlines they can do that they can just wake yeah. up and like today i'm going to write this chapter and mm-hmm. i'm like that would literally terrify me mm-hmm. cuz i could never do that
0: i think it would paralyze me i think i would feel completely paralyzed that i can't write this now because i have to write what it says i'm supposed to write yeah yep. and i and i don't i don't like rules but people who know me know that <laughs> that's why i'll never be an editor ever <laughs> yeah well, I like them when I'm editing.
1: When you're the writer, it's right. I don't love them. Yeah, right,
0: right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, back to your books, readers who want to get to know you, want to find out more about your books. Where should we send them? Where should they go?
1: I mean, I'm on all social media platforms thanks to my kids. Um, so, on Twitter, I'm at The Real Books by or Ryan Steck author. You can find, I still run the TheRealBooksby.com. Okay. Which is um, a one-stop shop for all things thriller interviews, reviews, book announcement, cover reveals, all that stuff. Yep. And then, you know, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitch now at twitch.com slash forward slash Ryan underscore stack, um, Facebook everywhere.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. So pretty much anybody can find you anywhere. They want to find you.
1: Yeah, I guess. I I mean, we won't,
0: we won't shout your home address out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll, we'll limit it to that. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for being with us. This has been a blast and I really hope people reach out and pick up your book. It's exciting. Um, it's a great book for guys or girls who love thrillers. So let's not say it's a man's book because I am totally liking this book. So I'm just gonna throw that out there for all my female audience listeners who are like, I don't know if I would read that. Read it. It's good. There. I said it.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day and thanks for being on. And maybe we can have you back with book two or three.
1: Definitely. I would love that. Thank you.